0: Welcome to episode 65 of the Running on Om podcast with Daniel Herrera, accomplished collegiate runner for UCLA. Daniel's interview is the 10th of Running on Ohm's Boulder series. I met Daniel as a fellow counselor at the Boulder Running Camp for High Schoolers, where we worked in July, founded and led by Coach Jay Johnson, who was featured on the Running on Om podcast number 27, which you should definitely check out. Daniel is an accomplished collegiate runner at UCLA who has not only ran some pretty fast times, but also used alternative methods to do so. When I overheard Daniel talking to another counselor at camp about the power of visualization when running and racing, I knew I had to have him share his insight on this and more on the podcast. Daniel's interview is the last of my Boulder Running series, which featured 10 podcasts with numerous athletes and creative minds. Check out episodes 56 onwards to hear their stories. If you're tuning into the podcast right now, please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider leaving a review on iTunes. I'm always open to feedback or questions, and I encourage you to leave your comments on our Facebook page. Let's jump into the show with Daniel. Daniel's running background from middle school onwards, how he knew he wanted to take running to the next level in high school and then again in college a recount of a breakthrough 1,500-meter race, the elements that make a strong runner, how an injury began Daniel's journey with visualization, the role of visualization in success and failure, Daniel's recent 1,500-meter race at the USA Outdoor Track and Field Championships, which is linked to on on therunningonome.com. It's an amazing video that really shows his courage and guts. The role of sacrifice in elite distance running, goals for Daniel's upcoming year. All this and more on this episode of the Running on Ohm podcast. Oh. Welcome, Daniel, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Hi, how's it going? So, going back in time, when did you first lace up your shoes and decide to go running?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> when I was a chubby little seventh grader and I thought I needed to take a couple extra laps during PE. And so I would just purposely get in trouble. I remember we used to have these, uh, these TAs who would kind of help the PE teacher. And some of them were like relatively close friends. And so I would joke around with them, make a mean joke, and then they'd be like, oh, go take a lap. And I was like, okay, cool. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and so I think that's, that's kind of where it started.
0: And when did you join your first official running team?
1: Uh, Freshman year of high school. Yeah, we had a good middle school team, which I'm sure a lot of middle schoolers say that, but we had a pretty good middle school team, and uh, I just was not fast enough. I was chubby and slow, so it wasn't until high school that I really got the chance to to actually try it.
0: And that summer before freshman year, did you um, train intentionally to get ready for the season, or did you kind of just walk on, and what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, so I did just kind of go, come out to the first day of practice, and I remember my first run was a three-mile run to the Domino's Pizza and back. And I made it 15 minutes or so of running, and then had to take a break to walk, and then run, and then walk, and then run. And then I remember coming back home and falling asleep for like two hours, three hours, so exhausted. And, um, yeah, I just kept showing up to practice. It was basically for the freshmen. Uh, there wasn't any cuts or anything like that because we're freshmen and we probably have never done anything like that before.
0: And when do you feel like it was evident that you had some talent at running? Was it your freshman year once you started racing or did it take a while?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I I don't know that I would say that I knew I had talent, but I knew I was competitive. And so I would say freshman year there was a, a good friend of mine or we had a little good group, two, two three of us, um, that really liked to compete against each other at practice and I remember we had, you know, groups for like low, medium and high and they would run different amounts of time and we always wanted to okay, let's we're tired of being in low. I know we're freshmen, but let's try it. And it, it would always be like they had to hold us back from from doing more. And we always wanted to do more and, you know, kind of work against each other. So I don't know that that's when I found out I was talented, but that's when I found out that I wanted to work really hard. Totally.
0: And you had the mental capacity for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was just it's actually quite interesting to think about just how uh that kind of shows a little bit of passion, even at a young age, that I I just actually really enjoyed it.
0: And as a high school runner during summer training, what did that look like for you?
1: Um well aside from the dead period where we couldn't run with a uh with a coach and stuff like that it was just a lot of uh running with the team uh in the morning or in the afternoon and you know maybe a couple times a week we would swim in the morning or do a double Um, and then we would head out to camp for a couple days in big bear uh, which is in california and we would just go out for a couple days and train up there uh our high school coach is really intense about it and i think a made a good environment for all of us to really want to get out of high
0: school and run in college. So when did you know you wanted to run in college and how did you end up picking UCLA where you are now?
1: Yeah so uh, I actually uh, guess I didn't know that I wanted to run in college until about maybe my junior year. Uh, I'd run a little bit faster and some of my teammates from my sophomore year had went on to, to run in college um, not at any big schools particularly but enough where it, it made me feel like yeah I, I can do that I'm I'm as good as they were uh, and uh, I actually went uh, and signed my senior year to go to UC Santa Barbara uh, and then just had a family emergency my dad passed away my senior at the after my senior year uh, in July, in Yeah, so it was when I was on orientation, actually, to go to Santa Barbara, and I came back home, and my mom told me, and I just changed the game completely, and so I ended up deciding that I wanted to stay stay local and just go to junior college, and that I would have some time to kind of figure out what my next move was, Uh, and so then I went to Cerritos College for two years, and that's when I ended up ultimately at UCLA.
0: And in Cerritos, were you training at a pretty high level to the level that you're training now?
1: Um, I would say that was probably the first time that I uh, that I, I, started making the little changes um, and, and not just going to practice, doing what I had to do practice, and then leaving afterwards. It was, you know, it wasn't ideal, it wasn't perfect, but there was an effort to, to do the little things. And to, you know, uh, it was probably my sophomore year actually where I, I dropped a lot of time. I dropped from 1452 to 1414 in the 5K, and uh, 355 to 346 in the 1500. And I would say that that was probably the time where uh, you know, I was focusing on doing the extra strength. Um, my class schedule was great. I mean, junior college is pretty pretty easy, I think. And so I would go on a morning run, which my coach didn't know about, and then, until later, I ended up telling him that i have been doubling for all the track season. Um, and he was okay with it because I was running fast. Uh, but I would go double in the morning, uh, do some core, and then I'd take a nap. And then I'd go to class at, like, 11-ish. And I did that, you know, two, three, four times a week, um, progressively. And just kind of managed my doubles on my own. <laughs> uh, so yeah.
0: And how did you know about training, like, you know, if you weren't having your coach supporting you in that capacity, who were your mentors or role models then, and why were you hungry so much to get better and for more?
1: Yeah, I think just the atmosphere that we had there, and uh, I was I was the captain of the team, and so I felt like I had to lead by example, and, uh, you know, even though I did it on my own, when I did get to practice and I did have a teammate, uh, one of my really really good friends, Munir from, uh, he's at UC Irvine now. Uh, we just kept each other motivated and, and, and kept getting on each other about like, yeah, we should do the little extra strengths, uh, make sure to drink water. I remember at one time we made it like, we tried for a week to make it where you had to bring a gallon of water uh, every day and show that you had like, you had to fill it up and drink it by the next day and then fill it up and drink it. And we tried that. And, um, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't pan out for a very long time, but it showed the effort, and uh, we did a lot of a lot of extra stuff outside of just practice, um, and so I think that the motivation was mainly just you know from from good teammates, and and teammates that also wanted to run fast, and uh, you know like I I was fortunate enough to run fast, and then teammates started like asking me what I was doing, and so I felt like I had a, a, my game more to not just be like oh yeah I just come to practice and just run the workout and then I go home I felt like I had to be doing a little bit more um, and I think learning it was just I mean experience from high school in high school we used to double uh, a little bit and we I didn't do that my first year in junior college and uh, just from my like, coaches uh, you know in past years and uh, from other runners uh, so it, it was mainly just kind of pick and choose a couple things here and there, but it wasn't like at that point, I don't think I was passionately looking online, like trying to find a bunch of different, uh, okay.
0: Different yeah. Things. And take me to one of those breakthrough races, your sophomore year where, you know, you really shaved off a lot of your time in your PR. What was the mental experience and physical experience like for you in that race? Did you realize you were having a breakthrough when it was happening?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the first race that I had run was uh, of the year was a fifteen hundred, and my coach uh, had told me that it's like we'll, we'll see if you can run under the school record, and then the school record was like three fifty two or something like that, and it was a meet that we were hosting at Cerritos College, which um, is a is a great track. It's a mondo surface, gray blue. They use it for the state meet, so it's it's a really nice track. It's a really nice venue, and so we were bringing Division one schools mainly there was maybe you know one or two other junior colleges in the 1500 at least that I was in and uh yeah just he just my coach told me uh yeah, we'll see if you can if you could run the school record like do you think you can do it and I was like yeah I, I think I could I think I could get it and uh it was it was interesting because in junior college we had that mentality that we just wanted to crush the D1 schools we just wanted to beat them because it just you know went to it just goes to show you that if you work hard it doesn't matter you know how much money or support or you know how big your program is is it's just you know when we lace them up it's who who wants to win bad is who's gonna win and so that one was you know it was me and another junior college guy and the rest of the field was all was all a division one division two schools and I remember. <laughs> letting him go because he went out really hard and just thinking to myself just be patient he's gonna come back he's gonna come back and surely enough he did and there's a guy from uc irvine that i was behind probably 300 ago and i made a move and i remember coming down the home stretch in the lead and i was like wow this is like you know whenever you come down in the lead like that you just you just can't believe that it's happening especially at you know I had never raced at a level like that where I was winning a race with division one athletes and so I just I closed and I closed well and just as soon as I passed the line my coaches just like ran down athletes like you know teammates ran down and I had run 348 I think and the record is 352 and I just couldn't believe it that it was like, okay, I've come a, a long way from, you know, the little high schooler that uh, you know, wasn't anything special till now I I know that I can I can run with anyone and and that that eventually in time I, I will be able to run with anyone.
0: Yeah, so do you really I mean, do you believe that running is that long term continuous effort that consistency that has allowed you to have success or do you think that kind of you have this innate talent like what do you think it is
1: yeah I mean now that you're making me reflect back on it I definitely see that there has to be a very strong passion for it and you have to like for me I I wanted to be the best whether it was in some small group or in some larger capacity if I wanted to be the best on my team in high school, and then I wanted to be the best, you know, in my conference, and then I wanted to be the best uh, junior college athlete, and then now, you know, I want to be the best NCAA athlete, and so, I think that there has to be that passion and that desire, and that belief that you can be the best, and in, in whatever group you you define that as, um, so I, th- I think that's that's probably one of the most essential pieces to it, and and I think that, you know, long-term training and consistent training is obviously very important, uh, but I know a lot of guys that have been training for eight years and are not going to be the best, and and it's because, you know, you can train for an hour and a half every day, show up at practice and leave, and it's not going to give you these enormous results unless you really think that you're actually doing something every day to get somewhere.
0: Mm. Now, I know one of your things in your toolkit is visualization, and that's been really effective for you in the past year. Tell listeners a little bit about how you've taken time off from being on the UCLA team this past year, the races you've done, and then how visualization has kind of been a part of that success you've had in a more national circuit.
1: Yeah, so I I redshirted this year, uh, and uh, this outdoor season, and uh, it was primarily because... I had a fifth year left and I knew that I wanted to take it because I knew that uh, you know, I wanted to keep, I wanted to prolong the real world as long as I could and it turned out really well for me. But uh, it also was, I had an injury uh, in my indoor season while I was uh, running for UCLA and I was out 10, 10 days of nothing in December and then just swimming and biking uh, through January until I got back to school and got on the Alter-G, which is you're not going to get in amazing shape on an Alter-G because you, you can't run. You're, you're still in pain. And uh, I think the visualization started there because I, I was sick of cross training and just feeling like I was just on this bike or I was just swimming. And I remember knowing that I wanted to run a sub four mile and I would sit on that bike and when it was time to go hard, I would go hard and I would imagine myself at the University of Washington on the Dempsey track, Edward Cheserick, Loyola Lang, just lining it up, you know, Bell Lap. They're going to move past you. They're, you know, you, you got to respond. I, I, and I would just sit there on the bike and just close my eyes and be in a completely different world. And, um, you know, it, it ended up helping me a lot because. I didn't have great training. I, I started, I was healthy the middle of February. I think it was like February 15th was the first run I did where I felt no pain and it was like a legitimate run. It wasn't like, oh, let's do a little three-mile shakeout something. It was a legitimate run and I felt no pain. And, and uh, I remember thinking that, okay, I have, I have two, three weeks until MPSF, like I, which is our conference championship and at that point we had planned on me anchoring the dmr which is a huge responsibility for a guy that has been injured for two months straight and is finally running again and is now healthy again uh, and i think that's when the visualization really set in that i i had been there before and that i i had raced those guys and i had been on that track where mpsf was a hundred thousand times in my head before and i and i knew i could do it and uh I actually read a lot about it and watched a lot of videos that said you know if you visualize a certain exercise you know you get some percentage of you know what you would if you were to actually be doing that and so i think that actually did help me out and also i think just mentally it made me really believe that hey i can do this and two three weeks is not ideal but but i figured it out and uh i ended up not running uh the anchor leg but I let off and I remember doing the lead off and I was the 1200 leg and I saw Michael Atchou warming up who's a great runner from Stanford he had run 357 um, and at that point in the indoor season I blew up in a mile and ran 413 and I was like I can stay with him I, you know that was, that was me two weeks ago and this is me now and I'm healthy and I've been there and, and I can do it and there was also a guy from Washington, Marone Simon, who'd run four flat in the mile. And a bunch of other guys, a bunch of other guys that were much better than than I was two weeks ago. And uh, the race went off and I just, no, I, I, I thought to myself, no, you, you can you can stay with these guys, you can stay with them. And lo and behold, lap to go, I'm still with them. Michael actually passes us and I, I gave him too much credit and I just let him go, stayed behind. Uh, Washington runner and and with one fifty to go, I passed him and I ran two fifty-four for my split and my teammates were like, How did you like we were the most worried about you because all of us have actually been training and here you're the one that ran faster than you were supposed to. And so I think that that's where it started it. And the next day I told myself I'm gonna run sub four. And I told my coach, hey, if if I don't run sub four, then my season ends right here. So I'm I'm gonna run sub four. And long story short, I blew up, and ran like I don't know something slow. But I went for it, and I was in the lead, and I had a huge gap. I was in the B section of the race. It wasn't, you know. I remember hearing like, oh, Herrera said, you know, setting a, a, a sub four pace, and no one's going with them. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this today's the day I'm gonna do it but then you know the training caught up i hadn't really been training and i had just raced the night before and uh the good thing about that though is that it it taught me a lot for the outdoor season that i could do big things and that if i if i really believed in myself that uh, that they would be possible and uh i think uh we could probably fast forward to those those two races in particular that i remember uh it helping me a ton and one was Peyton Jordan and I've been on the Stanford track a lot of times and so I know just exactly how the Stanford track looks like. And I know how the wind is and I know how the weather is and and I'd know the warm up and, and so I would go through it in my head and I would know that, okay, this is the game plan. And my coach had said, with three hundred to go, you're you're gonna press and you're gonna start pressing and with 200 to go, you're going to keep pressing.
0: Is and this the 1500 or 5K? The
1: 1500. Okay. And, and I had I had a great 5K earlier in the year and broke 14 for the first time. And so, you know, that helped me, like, okay, I'm in great shape. And I went up there and I was like, okay, that, that's a game plan. And so when I visualized it, I visualized, you know, it's going to be me and it's going to be, you know, so-and-so from this school and -and so-and-so from that school and i've been there and sometimes they're just blank faces in my you know when i visualize uh because it's it's i guess it's more from like a from like i see everyone i'm not like above like looking down on myself i'm actually in you know my own body so i can see people's backs and i can see all that um, so sometimes they're just blank faces. Sometimes I just, you know, it's just a singlet on, on a person. And uh, I remember telling myself over and over that that's exactly how I was going to play out. And the race went off. And the first lap we went out in 60. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I got this. And that was just unreal to me. Like to have that much confidence 400 meters into a race and think like, okay, I know how this is going to go. I'm just gonna sit back, I'm just gonna wait, be patient. And I had so much confidence. And with 600 to go, I was getting antsy, and I was like, okay, you gotta move up, you gotta move up. And uh, bell lap came, and I'm like, no, 300 to go, you're gonna press at 300, but you need to get out. And I made a hard move to get out, but 300 to go came, and I just was in the lead, and I was just pressing. 200 to go came, and I was still in the lead pressing. And I was like, okay, okay, this is exactly how you how you saw it. And then seventy five meters to go, she started tightening up. It was just just pain. And uh, Peter Callahan, who ended up taking fourth at NCAA this year, passed me up with fifty meters to go, and just you know didn't blow by me, just passed me, and uh, I just couldn't catch him. But it worked out exactly how I had seen it. You know, for the most part, I'd seen that, I, you know, how the pace is going to be, how it was going to go out, where I was going to be in the race, when I was going to get to the front. And that's when I really, really bought into like, okay, this, this stuff actually really works. And I did that, uh, you know, several times throughout the year. Uh, but the hardest one was at USA's, uh, because th- those guys were, were idols to me. And to, who was there? Well, my heat had, my heat had Leo Manzano, Riley Masters, Lopez Leong, Willier, uh, and a ton of other. A lot <laughs> Michael of Achoo. a lot of
0: big guys. <laughs> yeah,
1: Michael Atchou who had crushed me indoors, um, and so I had a yeah I had a lot of great great runners, and uh, I didn't know I had gotten in until two days before because I was thirty first and. Uh, someone scratched. I think it was Jordan McNamara scratched and so Tuesday morning my coach says you're in and I was like awesome and we got a flight and from that moment I was like, okay, you got it. You know, I had already kind of seen it. I had already kind of said like, okay, I'm going to go at 500 to go um, and, and make sure I'm in the front and I'm in the mix. And then i you know started losing a little bit of hope as it got closer and closer to the race and then two days out i'm like okay i gotta get back in it again i gotta you know get get that visualization going again get that confidence going and i remember showing up the day before and doing my pre my pre-race and just seeing so many pros so many just elite athletes and i know all of them i know all of them by name and pr and what sponsor they have and uh i couldn't believe that you know these were the these were the people that i was going to race and 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 i started telling myself but you you belong here and and visualizing that i was i was going to make it to the final and that that's what i came here to do and uh yeah it was it was it it got to be pretty bad once i realized who was in my heat and was like all right like these these guys are good but you just got to visualize it and you got to fake it until you make it That's what my coach would tell me fake it until you make it and so i spent the entire day before just like i i can do this i can do this and i didn't believe it but i told myself enough times that it wasn't until i got in that tent i sat down i looked left i see leo manzano i look right i see lopez lamang i uh, just see a who's who of, of distance runners of, of 1500 runners and we got out to the track and i was like i can do this i can make the final and uh you know that race we had said that it was going to go off at 600 but that that's that's how that's how it is at usa's in the, in the prelims and at 600 to go somebody really starts going and, and you got to be there because if you're not in good position at 400 to go they're going to close in 54 and it it makes a huge deal if you're at the back and you got to run a 53 or if you're at the front and you got to run a 54 and so 600 to go came and I was like towards the back and I was like okay I gotta gotta get going before it gets going and so I passed a couple people and then 500 to go came and I was like okay it's I still feel like it's not going and i Passed a couple more people, and 450 to go came, and I was like, just, just take it. And so that was an unreal feeling to be leading, you know, Lopez Lamong, Willier, and all those guys. And then 400 to go, Lopez Lamong passed me, went into the lead, and I just sat behind them, and I was like, okay, okay, you can do this. 300 to go, I was like, wow, this is gonna happen. You're gonna make the final. And I remember it just. You know, it was, it was a sunny day in Sacramento, and they had just, I mean, they redid everything, so it looked amazing, and the stands, and, and just thinking of you know, my girlfriend and my sister who had dri- driven up uh, to watch, and I was like, I'm, I'm gonna do this. And and having that feeling that these guys are just humans, and, and at 200 to go, I still, I still thought I had it, and at 150 I got passed up by Leo Manzano and I just that was the move that that made me just kind of tighten up and at 125 I just tightened up too much and and, uh, and that last hundred will haunt me for for a couple couple races. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I ended up just finishing two spots out from making the final. and I thought, well, I made a really good move. I put myself in it to win it, and I realized that these people are, you know, they're just people, and they are no different than me, and and I could, I could beat them, and and I, I got a lot of compliments afterwards for really making a hard move, and a lot of people, you know, telling me good job, and and that it's it's been uh, unreal to see the the difference in my racing and and uh, in my times, and so yeah, I think visualization is is a very underrated tool, because it's a game changer.
0: Yeah, for sure. I know as well as visualization, there's numerous other things that you really believe in and live and embody as well as nutrition, strength training. What would you say are kind of three things that people who want to take their running to the next level can do?
1: Uh, I mean, you named a a good amount of them, but I I think, you know, with nutrition, I always get people, that say, say, you think it really matters. Um, you know is it, is it really that important and for me my answer is I mean it is yeah I think it is that important because at a certain point it comes down to the most minuscule of changes you know when you're trying to be the best you just got to do one or two things a little bit better than someone else to get that mental edge you know just for that confidence that hey I don't I don't I don't eat bad. I don't, you know, I eat healthy. I, you know, I don't have that ice cream after dinner or that, you know, dessert that everyone else is getting or have that, you know, beer post-race that someone else is having. And for some people, you know, that might seem really uptight, but if you want to be the best, then I, th- I think it's, it's a pretty simple sacrifice. Um, and so I would say that nutrition is definitely undervalued. Um, And It's a a very important part of it. Um, I would also say that, you know, making sure that you're on top of your strength training and that you're doing stuff outside of just running uh, and and just your commitment uh, in in terms of time. If you think about it, I mean, people work full-time jobs. Everyone, you know, at some point, hopefully, works a full-time job, and that's eight hours a day. And that's doing something that you know some people love doing, and some people don't love doing. So why is that difficult for a runner to spend, you know, more than just two hours of practice, actually doing what they love to do? You know, especially if you're, you know, an elite athlete, then you know, spend the two hours to go to practice and make sure you're doing your drills and you're stretching afterwards, and then spend the other hour in rehab. And spend another hour, where in your double, and spend another hour taking a nap, and resting. And you know, if you're an elite athlete, and that's what you want to do, um, then you got to make some sacrifices, and and you have to find time to do those things. And it's a, it's obviously a harder balance um, at some points than at others. But I think it's you know that, that commitment level that you have to be willing to to do more than just show up
0: yeah no for yourself what and really kind of taking your running to the next level while also balancing being a college student what do you think has been the biggest sacrifice you've had to make for running and do you view it as a sacrifice
1: um yeah i think the biggest sacrifice is just like having a ton of free time you know like i know a lot of people that love to watch movies and watch tv and just hang out and uh I mean, I'll watch TV when I'm eating breakfast for fifteen minutes, and that is my TV for the day. You know, when I'm eating dinner for twenty minutes, um, and so I think, just you know, uh, giving some of that free time, or you know, most of that free time away, uh, when you when you know, when you're mentally okay with it, you know, sometimes it, you do need a break. Sometimes you just, you know, I'm very good about weekends. Weekends, I have a mental break uh, during the week it's much harder because you know you have classes you have schoolwork. Uh, I try and stay on top of my grades very well and so you know it, it does become a, a lot of sacrifice of free time but I think if you're enjoying it and if you have a, a purpose you know like I want to win an NCAA title and all that time that I could have spent watching tv Or relaxing and hanging out and playing video games or you know just doing a whole lot of nothing is is well worth an NCAA title if I ever get it and if I don't then you know I enjoyed the process of it and I'm a better better runner and probably a better person for being able to be that goal-driven
0: yeah so tell me in this upcoming year when you look towards your last year running for UCLA what are your goals, and if you could win an NCAA title, and if you do, what would be your dream event to win it in?
1: Yeah, so I guess my goals are uh, 336 is kind of a a top 10 time in the history of the NCAA. If you can run a 336 in a collegiate only, then you'll be, you know, all-time top 10 ever. And I think that would be huge for me because then I can, you know, feel like I've left my mark on more than just, you know, my team or, you know, that, that it was, you know, uh, that, that it's, it's something that I did that, that showed, you know, that my commitment level uh, paid off and also hopefully to inspire a lot of, you know, uh, particularly a lot of Hispanic runners you know, in the high school that I grew up in the area that I grew up, uh, cause I see them now and, and, and they think I'm fast and, and they're inspired by it. And I, and I can't wait. And if, if I can bring an NCAA title back, uh, then hopefully it'll give a lot of kids hope and a lot of Hispanic runners that, you know, aren't in the best of schools. They're in these, you know, little down public schools, but Hey, they have a dream that they're going to win an NCAA title for a team. And, and, uh, you know, to let them know that at one point I was that kid that was watching, you know, the U.S. trials and thinking, like, man, one day that would be awesome. And, and it wasn't something that I thought I could do at the time, but, but you can. And, and if you try hard enough, then, you know, you'll at least get really close. Um, so I'd like to, to have a, all, all a, a top ten time. I'd obviously love to win an NCAA title. Um, as an individual in track uh and it preferably i mean an ncaa title is an ncaa title i guess i really don't care what it's in uh you know i would think that it would probably come in the mile indoors or maybe the 3k indoors and if not then it might be in the 15 or 5k outdoors Um, and i and i want to also contribute to my cross country team um as more than just you know uh a top finisher but you know because it is such a team sport to just you know help my teammates help themselves and and really you know be the best that they can be because I know that if if they do that then then we'll finish really well and uh, I think that right now that's that's my biggest concern is um, you know getting back and, and kind of creating a different environment creating you know, something at UCLA where it, it is a powerhouse in the years to come and, and that people go there to run fast and not just because it's an academically good school with a history of, you know, doing well in track. Uh, I want it to be, you know, something that's now, that now we're good, not, oh, you know, in the glory days of UCLA. Now I want to bring the glory days to the present and make UCLA, uh, you know, a, a good distance running program
0: it's amazing how passionate you are it's awesome i'm really excited to watch what happens next year and hopefully as you transition to professional running what will happen there as well
1: <laughs> thank you appreciate it and i hope i do transition to professional running <laughs> well
0: <laughs> <laughs> now to close of our interview i have a few fun either or questions mm-hmm. tea or coffee
1: oh coffee
0: sunrise or sunset sunset for your superpower would you rather fly or be invisible fly and the last one chocolate or vanilla chocolate
1: <laughs> yeah i did chocolate that was this chocolate and coffee are the two things that i cannot live without
0: <laughs> awesome well thank you so much daniel for sharing your story your inspiration on the running on own podcast thank you for
1: your time and for the opportunity
0: um oh, thanks for listening to episode 65 of the Running On Om podcast with Daniel Herrera, accomplished collegiate runner for UCLA. This week is the last of the Running On Om podcast Boulder series. Check out episodes 56 onwards for inspirational stories from Boulder athletes and minds. If you would like to connect with Daniel and the Running On Om community, you can find us on runningonom.com, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram please consider leaving a review for Running on OM on iTunes. These reviews allow like-minded people to find the podcast and grow our listener base. In addition, feel free to comment or ask any questions on the Running on OM Facebook page. I'd really love to hear from you. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.